Glad you're with us right down our toll-free telephone number. We want to hear from you throughout the program today. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Mark Morgan, former acting Border Patrol chief, and Brandon Judd, president, National Border Patrol Council, will be joining us. All things Simple Man O'Reilly today. John Lott will weigh in on this latest attempt and threat for a gun grab uh, not shocking, not surprising, even the threat to use executive action to get there. We'll get to that and so much more uh, as we now watch, you know, a level of radical radicals and radical policies, uh, the likes of which no major political party has ever attempted a power grab that has never been attempted before including, yes, packing the courts, ending the legislative filibuster. Yes, D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, amnesty, open borders, bypassing an entire branch, co-equal branch of government, the legislative branch. It's all happening before our very eyes. And yes, you do need to get involved. You do need to pay attention. And we do need to uh, literally use everything, make sure all of our elected officials do their job. Now, we have some breaking news as it relates to the vice president. Weird articles out there today, by the way, as it relates to Kamala Harris. And now a directive apparently has gone out. And I'm not really even sure what the hell to make of this. They put a White House memo. This is no longer the Biden administration. Top communication person in the White House has instructed all federal agencies to refer to the Biden administration as the Biden-Harris administration. This leaked memo now confirms. Okay, what is that all about? Exactly who is in charge? Because that's never happened before. I'm sure we'll get some some PC woke explanation down the line at some point. Uh, just a side note, uh, Kamala Harris now being criticized for her laughter, what's happening at the border. Nothing that's happening at the border right now is particularly funny to me because kids in cages are back. Oh, I'm sorry. They're they're plastic covered cages. They're not the, they're not like the old cages with the fe- chain link fence. It's the same thing. We had this investigative report, smoking gun email that the, the threat, the risk is real at the border. I mean, this is, these are scary times here. I mean, you have literally, look, there was a, a letter that we've been able to obtain uh, that was sent from one Border Patrol official working at one particular facility in Texas. And it's right up the chain of command at the Customs and Border Protection, which also was sent to Washington, we can now confirm. The administration and their spokespeople are lying to all of you, just like they lied. And they said that Joe Biden got blown over by the wind three times, which I don't know what's worse. He's so weak that the wind can blow him over on a non-windy day three times or that he's struggling to put one foot in front of the other and climb a stairs and not trip and fall three times. It's getting downright scary. But of course, I guess I'm the only idiot that has the, the, I guess, courage to state the obvious, which is he looks weak and frail and he's struggling cognitively. Vladimir Putin seems to have no fear whatsoever in, in observing exactly what you see, because over 50 percent of the American people now see it. 
Well, Hannity, well, what if he gets through his press conference tomorrow? Uh, well, I'm sure looking at his schedule, I mean, I, the one item on his agenda today was the meeting some sports team coming to the White House. Okay, that's not exactly a a a high-pressured, heavy-duty, Trump-like schedule. I can tell you that. I mean, the minimal. Off on Friday, off on Saturday, off on Sunday, no event scheduled Monday, one event yesterday, and we even had little problems yesterday in Ohio. And then we've got one little event today because Joe, I would argue, I can't prove it, it's my opinion, is probably rehearsing and practicing and practicing and rehearsing and getting his little note cards together so he can survive tomorrow's onslaught of softball questions from a compliant media mob. The same media mob that that put him in the candidate protection program and never asked him any of the questions that would be relevant, like packing the courts, the legislative filibuster, statehood for D.C. or Puerto Rico, uh, legislating by executive fiat, bypassing an entire branch of government. No, those questions didn't come up either. Anyway, this email that the Hannity show got got access to, it's from a border pro- professional and the Biden administration Remember, up until now this week, we now know Border Patrol agents, they've been forbidden from ever talking in any way to the media Word has gone out. Any media requests must go through the Biden White House and, of course, circle back Jen Psaki, same people peddling the lie that Joe got blown over by the wind. So now ride alongs are over. Nobody's allowed to take pictures. Nobody is yet to get a picture inside one of the cargo shipping containers. Anyway, according to the border official at this Donna, Texas facility, quote, it is extremely unsafe and unhealthy for the detainees, agents and the civilian workforce. The overcrowding is inhumane. Again, on the scene. In other words, you might want to call this person a whistleblower, although we only apparently in this country, if you're a Democrat, only care about anonymous hearsay whistleblowers, not real whistleblowers that sign affidavits under the penalty of perjury. But anyway, I digress, especially for the children. It's inhumane. Pod 3A, for example, is designated to hold 80 people. And on this day, we have 694 unaccompanied children with two agents maintaining custody. Now, it only is a capacity of 80 people. I would imagine because of COVID, that capacity would probably be reduced to 40. But instead, they have 694 unaccompanied children in a pod designed to hold, pod, nice word, by the way, for the plastic cages, to hold 80 people. Now, you only have two agents maintaining custody. That is an 867% of the stated capacity of this detention space. The agents cannot possibly provide for the care, the health, and safety of the aliens, in this case, unaccompanied children, minors, in our custody. Nor can we reasonably do so for ourselves. How could it They can't watch 694 kids in one pod with two people? Good luck. Imagine a classroom with 694 kids in it. Good luck. The agent continues. The detainees are also stressed and fatigued and becoming more agitated each passing day. One girl told me she's been in her cell for 17 days. Many more complained 
They have been here for more than two weeks. Quote, the detainees are often laying on top of each other because there's no room to sleep. The unaccompanied children have to sleep on their side to save space in order for them to all be able to lay down in this small space. If we have a fire, a carbon monoxide leak from the generators, a stampede, or any number of potential and likely occurrences, many people will die. But there's no crisis. Quote, this situation is a disaster waiting to happen. Someone with the proper authority must do something immediately to alleviate the severe overcrowding before we experience a tragedy. Now, following that dire warning, the Border Patrol chief emailed back saying, "Okay, I'm hearing you loud and clear. And I can now confirm that the Biden administration has been made aware of this email and this letter. And what are they doing? Nothing. What is Kamala Harris doing? She's laughing at it as if it's a joke. Here's what she did today. What? Yesterday we played this. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> but um, I have before and I'm sure I will again. They've Mallorcas, not a crisis. Jen Socket, not a crisis. Not a crisis. It's a crisis. How could you possibly not call it a crisis? By the way, Kamala Harris refused to video Fox News obtained by, you know, former press. She didn't salute the honor guard when she was boarding Air Force Two. Well, pretty disgraceful, actually. Why did she refuse to salute the honor guard at the steps of the aircraft? Was that a demonstration of dislike? We'll see what she does in the future. But anyway, the person you just heard laughing, Kamala Harris, the Washington Post just broke the story that President Biden has now announced today that she will become the point person for the administration in seeking to stem the flow of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. Obviously, they don't care because it's not a crisis. You know, we have a national security crisis. People even on the terror watch list have been apprehended. We have a security, uh, we have a health crisis as well. Because a high percentage of people that are actually there are testing positive for COVID. We now have uh, uh, Axios reporting that nearly 2,900 of these unaccompanied migrant minors have tested positive for COVID-19. And by the way, Border Patrol agents, they have yet to all receive the vaccine. Why they're not a top priority. Now, I became eligible yesterday in the state of New York to get my vaccine. I I told you I would wait my turn. I waited my turn. I'd rather they go to the Border Patrol agents than to me. I'd rather they have it because they're in direct contact with now thousands of people confirmed to have COVID-19. They're the ones that need it first. Not me. It's unbelievable. Last week, federal officials stopped transporting unaccompanied minors to these makeshift detention facilities in Midland, Texas. Why? Officials there found 53 of the 485, 11% unaccompanied minors in that facility. They tested positive for COVID-19. The infection rate nearly double or triple that of the current statewide average in the state of Texas. They're still not allowing the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, to have access and and have family protective services have access to the unaccompanied minors in their state at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center. 
Why? Because Biden and Harris, the most transparent administration in history, they're not letting anybody see anything. We can't get in a cargo shipping container. Now, by the way, Governor Abbott is accusing Biden of giving aid and comfort to Mexican drug cartels, complaining that the recent decisions made by Biden and company on the U.S.-Mexico border have now emboldened human traffickers to ramp up their criminal operations. Well, it's obvious why that's happening, because all of the resources are being sucked away dealing with the massive influx caused by Biden of illegal immigrants across the border based A, on his invitation for asylum, B, on the fact that they're letting all these people in, C, they don't have the facilities to even deal with it. But the, but the governor described the situation as more than an escalating humanitarian crisis. That means that the drug pushers, the human traffickers, the cartels, uh, the gangs, they now have free reign at the border because all the resources are being used to, to take care of the immediate problem. Well, that leaves the rest of the border wide open for those that are involved in criminal activity. Have the Democratic border mayor complaining that the Biden administration is releasing these migrants without COVID tests. This is a Democratic mayor complaining that they're releasing kids with COVID right into their community. Well, why the hell are we getting lectured about wearing a mask every day? One C Border Patrol agent described this as a as a Biden border hellhole. And I'm not making it up. Those are the exact words. The family unit holding cells smell like urine and vomit. Fights break out in the unaccompanied minor cells, scabies, lice, and the flu, and COVID-19 run rampant. And that's just the beginning. It's not a crisis. Ha, ha, ha. Something to laugh about. No, it's not funny. Customs and Border Patrol agent. Now, we're going to be checking in later in the program today with former acting Border Patrol chief, Brandon Judd. Um... Uh, Mark Morgan and Brandon Judd both will be joining us. Uh, this is the Border Patrol agent blowing the whistle. This is from now. Again, this is separate and apart from what I've been telling you about. In other words, the agents are talking, even though the gag order has been put in place. The one photojournalist saying, uh, I never got stopped uh, when Biden was vice president from taking pictures or when Trump was in office or when George W. Bush was in office. This is the first time they, they tried to prevent you, we, the American people, from seeing the horror that they created. They've tried to squash it. They've been unsuccessful because now we have pictures. And by the way, Democrat Henry Cuellar deserves a lot of credit because he didn't hide it as 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 the Democrats were wanting him to do. And we've been able now to get a lot of our own pictures. And tomorrow, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, the 17 senators going down to the border so they can report back firsthand. Our cameras will be there with them. Anyway, this is from the Epic Times. Now, if you listen to this, uh, it should blow you away because basically this agent is saying that these are hell holes, not unlike the letter that I just shared with you in the last half hour, uh, the dire warning that was given about how how absolutely dangerous this all is. I'll read from the Epic Times. The family unit holding cells smells like urine and vomit. Fights break out in the unaccompanied minor cells. Scabies, lice, the flu, and COVID-19 run rampant. Now, 
Th- th- these are people on the front lines. Don't blame Sean Hannity for reporting what the news is, because that's going to be the next, next thing. Hannity said this. No. This is what the agents on the ground are saying. If you want to call them liars, call them liars, because they're not lying. You can see it for yourself. You can see how overcrowded it is. You can see the kids are sleeping on the floor and they have their pods that are really just the latest uh, uh, whitewashed version of, of kids in cages. Up to 80 individuals are squeezed into each 24 by 30 foot cell and there aren't enough mattresses for everyone. Sheets of plastic divide the rooms. Quote, any diseases that are in there is being kept in there like a Petri dish. The smell is overwhelming, a Border Patrol agent said, describing the conditions in a facility in South Texas. The agent, they didn't give his real name, spoke to the Epic Times on the condition of anonymity for fear of repercussions. Turns out, all of a sudden, Democrats no longer like whistleblowers. They didn't like the whistleblowers, the real whistleblowers, uh, that signed affidavits under the threat of perjury post-election. Now we got Border Patrol agents that are whistleblowers, and they're scared to death of repercussions for telling the truth. But anyway, one of the two agents... One or two agents are left to control 300 to 500 people during a shift. No agent wants to report physical or sexual assaults between the aliens because they'll get blamed for, quote, letting it happen. The number of unaccompanied minors, children under the age of 18, who arrive without a parent is buckling the entire system. We're getting them out of here as quickly as possible, but we're so overwhelmed right now, the agent said. It used to be easy to get them out in 72 hours. Not anymore. They're staying here for 10, 12 days. Quote, it is horrible. Everybody that shows up here, even if it's a three-year-old kid with nobody around, they will have, uh, they all have an address on them. They'll give it to you. Here's my address. This is where you're sending me. That's how, what what he said. We're dealing with a different culture that's not afraid to send all their kids under age of five knowing that they're going to get raped potentially, knowing that they could get killed. You talk to the adults or the teenagers, and they'll tell you they raped three or four girls. They kicked them off the trains. They're going to die. Two-thirds of the migrants traveling through Mexico report experiencing violence during the journey, including abduction, theft, extortion, torture, and rape, according to Doctors Without Borders which has been providing medical and mental health care for migrants and refugees in Mexico since 2012. Almost one in three women surveyed by this group, uh, Doctors Without Borders, MSF, uh, said that they've been sexually abused during their journey, 60% through rape. Morale among Border Patrol agents has plummeted, The attrition rate right now is ridiculous. He says, we don't want to work for the Border Patrol anymore. It's not the Border Patrol. During the Trump era, agents felt empowered to do their jobs, he said. Whatever deals he made, everything was working just fine. Now we've got this trash. And now our manpower is being depleted because we need to go babysit these people, move them as fast as possible to release them into the country. He said, it's ridiculous. We have no backup. We're losing more than we're catching, and it's no secret. Our defenses are down, so if there's anybody that we should be worried about, 
They know this is the time to come in. They all know it. Even Mexico's president is blaming Biden for the crisis. Mexican President Andres Manuel López uh, Abrador is now blaming the Biden administration. Quote, expectations created uh, that created that with the government of President Biden. There would be a better treatment of migrants. This is what the president of Mexico is saying. And this has caused Central American migrants and also from our country wanting to cross the border into thinking it's easier to do so. Joe Biden did it. They're blaming Trump, but they did it. U.S. officials were set to meet with counterparts in Mexico and and Guatemala for discussions on how to best address the border crisis. We already know how to best address it. Finish the wall, keep the stay in Mexico policy and uh, catch and release. That needs to stop right now. That's how you do it. And anybody caught at the border needs to be COVID tested and sent back home. That's it. You want to be compassionate? Hire buses, charter buses, provide food, provide medical care, provide safety, security. It's a far better method than what's happening now. There are compassionate ways. Australia does it all the time. You try to get into Australia, they'll meet you before you even step foot on their soil. They will send you back from where you came. If you need medical care, they'll take care of you. As soon as you're able, you will then be sent back immediately. They'll give you enough food and enough water to get home. That's about all the treatment you're going to get from Australia. People don't go into the United States for fun. They go out of necessity. The president of Mexico said to Reuters, he says there needs to be support for the development of Central America and south of Mexico, particularly Central America. What, what, now we're asking for money here? Look at this article. This is on Breitbart, nearly 3,000. Well, no, it wasn't Breitbart. It was Axios. Last week, federal aid officials stopped transporting unaccompanied minors to makeshift facilities after nearly 3,000 unaccompanied migrant minors tested positive for COVID-19. And we're getting lectured by Joe Biden about wear the damn mask. And then he doesn't wear it himself. Says, wear the mask. Forgets putting his own mask on, goes shakes people's hands. Now, now he's dumped it on Kamala Harris's lap. She's now the point person for this. Great. Because she was just laughing about it yesterday. And it, the, the Governor Abbott is, is are we going to allow ch- protective services for children into the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center? Now Governor Abbott has to put his own National Guard on the border to protect his own state? You know, you got to understand here, by not enforcing the law, you are aiding and abetting criminal activity. And in the process of this inundation at the border, it results in one, one predictable result. The cartels... The human traffickers, even sex traffickers, the drug traffickers, the gangs, they have free access to the U.S. And so do people that don't have our best intentions at heart, even people that have been on the terror watch list that we've been catching. How many got across that we didn't catch? One Democratic border mayor, a Democrat, you know, Texas town, Del Rio, Texas. 2,000 migrants, 464 in February alone, 1,700 so far in March. Each day, between 100 and 150 illegal immigrants are dropped off at the town's Valverde Border Humanitarian Coalition Center. Volunteers are trying to be nice. They provide food, clothing, limited necessities, help book a bus or a plane out of town. Anyway, you have the Biden administration 
whose major line item is on their platform is is a hard stance on COVID-19. And you have a humongous gap in the policy, according to the Democratic mayor, Bruno Lozano. Quoted in a recent newspaper article, migrants getting dropped off without any COVID-19 tests and then brought to bus stations or to airports to continue their journey to a city or town near you all throughout the United States. That's all happening. Unbelievable. But it's not a crisis. Not a crisis. Even Mexico's president is blaming Biden. Unreal. But that's what's happening. It's, you know, the pictures that you see, I mean, I'm looking at pictures that were in the New York Post today. We showed them last night on TV. There's no room for anybody in these areas. None whatsoever. Everybody's sleeping on the floor. I've never heard of a tinfoil blanket before. What is a tinfoil blanket? Kids in cages. Okay, plastic cages. They still can't get out. They're still being held. And we've yet to get inside even one cargo shipping container that we're told there's butterflies on the walls. Jeez, I'm sure that makes the kids feel great. One little window with bars on it. What are they, remodeling them before they'll ever let somebody in? Because they didn't want these pictures of the kids in the new cages out either. Unbelievable. Catch and release. And then they just deny the truth. Just, you know, how many times are we going to buy these lies? Riots in the summer. They're not riots. There's no crisis at the border. Joe Biden, he didn't fall. The wind blew him over three times. They expect us to believe this crap? Apparently they do. Because that's what they're peddling. Bunch of garbage. A bunch of lies. I just got this out. Uh, this just came across the uh, the Fox Wire. The Department of Health and Human Services now apparently is moving 1,400 kids to San Diego, unidentified migrant children. They've selected with the assistance of FEMA, the San Diego Convention Center. By the way, if you live in San Diego, you're a Kogo listener. They're going to be at 111 West Harbor Drive in beautiful San Diego, California. Maybe you want to donate stuff. I would donate to kids. I feel bad for kids. But they're moving kids all around the country. No no word on whether or not the kids have gotten tested. I mean, does that mean well, they've been dropping people COVID positive in, in hotels with no checking on them? I mean, they probably do need food and help. I, I can understand good people wanting to always help. What do you, if they're not going to re- return them, you got to feed these kids. When I started talking about the price, the media started attacking me. Well, if we expect a million people that you got to provide housing for, Biden just allocated $87 billion to hotels for, for this problem. That's our money. That's a lot of money. And it's only the, the tip of the iceberg. You got to feed, house, provide health care for. What we ought to be doing is saying, here's food, here's water, here's medical care, but you got to go home. And enforcing the law of the land. Now, if you want to change the law, well, Joe Biden doesn't believe in that co-equal branch of government. You're going to have to send them home. Um, You know, really sick what's been happening now that this push, now they're threatening to use executive action to take away your Second Amendment rights, which we also predicted long before all of this. And um, the suspect taken into custody, 21-year-old Syrian-born Ahmed al-Issa, Charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder, social media 
reportedly railed against Donald Trump and, quote, Islamophobia. Apparently he's a Muslim. His family describes him as severely paranoid and mentally ill. You know, I, I, thoughts and prayers, as Ted Cruz said yesterday, go out to the family and he's not going to apologize for saying it. Nor should anyone apologize for supporting Second Amendment rights of, of honest, law-abiding Americans. But within minutes, of course, people want to exploit a political tragedy. Never let, a, never let a crisis go to waste, as Dead Fish used to say. Rushing to judgment. Vice President's adult niece tweeted, Violent white men are the greatest terrorist threat to our country. An editor for Deadspin writing, Extremely tired of people's lives depending on whether a white man with an AR-15 is having a good day or not. A race and inclusion editor, whatever that is at USA Today, it's always an angry white man. That's what was said. Now the shooter's been identified, Syrian-born Muslim. Now they just move on to another political tactic, and that's now gun control. Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama, Joe Biden even threatening to use executive action to do it. Forget that other co-equal branch of government in the process. We'll have a full report on that all coming up today. Unbelievable times we live in. I had Leonard Skinner's simple man that could only mean one thing, all things BillOReilly.com. Mr. O'Reilly, sir, how are you? Uh, as Kenny Loggins once sang, I'm all right. Nobody worry about me. <laughs> but Kenny Loggins, I mean, I can't think of a worse person to pick for music. Good grief. You don't um, like Kenny? I, Kenny has some good hits. Footloose. <laughs> Come on. I'm Footloose. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, Footloose. There, that, that's right at the top of my hit list um, <laughs> of all-time music that I love. Um, well, how are you, Mr. O'Reilly? We got a big press conference tomorrow. Now, yeah, I wasn't invited. You weren't invited. Either. I wasn't invited either. I never get any. I don't think I'm going to see the White House for a while. I'm just guessing. I think it's yeah. a pretty good guess. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of people floating in and out of there. You know, on BillOReilly.com, I do uh, President Biden's schedule every day. I run yeah, we've been mine. doing that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he's got a pretty soft cushion here. I mean, he's not doing not a lot of heavy lifting going on in the uh, in the White House. Hey, Bill, one event Friday, zero Saturday, zero Sunday, zero Monday, one yesterday. Yeah, I didn't check that, that today. That includes scolding the dog, by the way. <laughs> yeah, half that's, an hour for that's that. A, yeah, so stop biting people. But, but you got to give me credit, O'Reilly. I was being very fair to the Biden family. And when people in the media were talking about euthanizing the dog over one little bite, no, um, I stood up for the I that's stood up right. for the pup because I love. It's a member of your family. You know, you have your what do you call your dog? Satan, something the like that. Dog, yeah, Holly the terror dog. <laughs> the terror um, dog. Yeah. So I'm glad the dog is in, is coming back from Delaware. You don't want to be banished to Delaware. By the way, I heard a rumor today uh, yeah. that uh, Mr. Biden's going to move the Oval Office to the villages in uh, Florida. <laughs> but I don't think that's true. I just don't think that's true. I don't think it's true either. But by the way, it, the villages, if you, you've had to have been there. It is the coolest place on earth. Yeah, million... and you get a little golf cart that can, you know, run over the people playing cards and stuff. <laughs> no, they give DUIs to the older people if, if they drink and drive their golf cart. Did you know that? Uh, I heard something about that. Um, it's a, a fairly controlled environment, but I think Joe, Joe Biden would be happy down there. Hey, Bill, croquet hey, listen, and stuff. They, they've got movies. They've got every club imaginable. They've mm -hmm. got bars. They've got restaurants, golf. They've got, uh, you know, this... 
this new tennis game you play, pickleball. Um, they got everything you could ever want. And let's say you move there, and even Bill O'Reilly, who probably would be more of a recluse, you know, they would drag your ass out of the, your home and not let you be a shut-in. They make sure that you integrate yourself into the community and enjoy your, your later years in life and your retirement, and, mm-hmm. and people have a good time. I know people down there, but just be careful what color shoes. There's a rumor about shoe colors. I don't know if any of that's yeah, true I, either. I don't know if I could get down to the villages because I'm afraid of B. Arthur and the crew. I'm afraid of those <laughs> You're afraid of them. Yeah. All right, so here's a serious question. Yeah. So, look, I say, I'm guessing, just like during the campaign, if there was a debate coming up, if there was a big speech coming up, Joe Biden disappears for five days and he's now in the middle of his disappearing act again because Thursday is his press conference. Yep. I have no doubt that it's going to be very controlled, but I have no doubt either. And this is my conjecture, my opinion. Part of the show is opinion that Joe is probably practicing his little ass off. Uh, and they're trying to get him to memorize en- enough to get through this press conference, which I predict that they will get him through this. Well, here's, here's the- how it goes down, and you and I know this. There's a list. There's a list of uh, correspondents. They're all uh, in the White House Association, Correspondents Association. And Joe Biden will be given a list of people to call on in order. Underneath the one, two, three, four will be subject matter. Okay, so the communication office, they're in, in touch with the White House correspondents themselves. They're in touch. And they'll say, well, what do you, what's on your mind? What do you think you want to ask here? So Biden will have a pretty good idea of what's coming. But he's into um, this afternoon, the only event that he has is he's going to meet with the women's soccer team. Uh, Megan Rapinoe that, and those that is, that I don't is know very, gonna, very. That's a heavy lift, yeah, Bill. He's going to be exhausted from that. Kneel when they go into uh, the White House because a lot of flags in there. You know, a lot of flags. Mm-hmm. There's Marines, so they may just be kneeling all over the place. But um, Mr. Biden has got a problem because his Homeland Security chief, and this is the signal that everybody should watch for tomorrow. Mayorkas went on Fox News on Sunday, and he said two things: the borders closed. And we're deporting almost all migrant adults. Neither of those things is true. He lied. And the Border Patrol itself, the Border Patrol itself, because they're federal agents, contradicted their boss, Mayorkas, almost on the spot and said, no, um, every migrant uh, over the age of 15 um, to 18 stays, 100 percent. And over 50% of adults are staying. So now the opening question has got to be, Mr. President, you know, your Homeland Security Chief Mayorkas misled the nation on Sunday. Did you scold him? Are you upset? And then you've got to have the stats in your hand. Did you you scold him, by the way? Who who says the word scold? Bill, you and I both know. That question's not coming. The only per, the only well, Ducey the, might ask. Ducey it. is the only one that's not going to give them a question. Yeah, there's a Peter couple of others in there that that might, but that's the indicator. If if the correspondence there, and I mean a guy like Carl at ABC News, John Carl, he doesn't want to come across as a corrupt guy. He may be. I didn't think he covered Trump fairly. 
But he didn't want to come across that way. But if they don't have the stats at the ready, then Biden will be able to dance because he knows that's coming. And as you said, absolutely accurately, he's going to be rehearsed. He's going to have these answers rehearsed. But if you hit him with stats, you're going to rattle him. But then he probably just won't answer, like like uh, Kamala Harris today on CBS Morning News. I mean, Kamala Harris didn't answer anything. They asked point blank. Anthony Mason did a good job. Uh, Is President Biden going to sign an executive order limiting guns? Yes or no? Wouldn't answer. She wouldn't answer the question. And he's not, by the way, because that would be he'd get uh, blocked by the federal courts in about 30 seconds if he tried to do that. They, they're, they're threatening it, but they're also threatening the legislative filibuster. Here's a question I have for you, Bill O'Reilly. Now, the White House is sticking by their story that when Joe fell not once, not twice, but three times climbing up the stairs, that, that the wind blew him over. It was not a windy day, Bill. And um, we have now, now that Joe has been out there a little bit more than usual, Joe has had a bad few weeks in terms of, well, let's the the cognitive struggles are becoming more apparent. Now we have Vladimir Putin openly mocking them. And then we get lectured by the Chinese communists in Anchorage, Alaska, on the issue of human rights. And our answer is, yeah, but we apologize when we're wrong, Um, which really pissed me off. My question is, Bill O'Reilly, do you believe the lie that, and I think it's a lie, that Joe Biden was was pushed to the ground by a gust of wind three times? Because I, I don't think there's ever been a bigger lie told from that podium. Do I believe that he was pushed Do you believe he got blown over by the wind? That's what <laughs> no, I'm asking. I, oh. I, no, I don't. I don't believe that he was. Well, here's what I know. I can't believe I have to ask you that question, but go I, ahead. When, Here's what I know to be true. Joe Biden is in decline. There's no doubt about it. He's in decline. Now, how bad that is, I cannot ascertain. Was I happy he fell down on the, on the stairs and embarrassed himself? I was not happy. That did not bring me joy. All I want from the Biden administration is competent governorship, all right, to govern the country in a competent way. In the first nine weeks, I have not seen one thing that the president has done that has helped this nation. Now, you can make an argument that the COVID relief checks help, but if you look at the overall bill and how much money is pouring out of our Treasury, okay, he could have done that without all the pork. You agree with that, right? Correct. We got a hold of an internal letter from Border Patrol at one facility in Texas that is over 800% capacity. We now finally got the pictures. The kids are are sleeping on top of each other. They're sleeping in shifts. They're not getting showers. The kids in cages, they're plastic cages, but they're pods, they're calling them. But the kids are now living in cages again. Um, They're doing nothing, and they're denying a simple truth and reality that they have a, this is a self-inflicted political uh, debacle on their yeah, part. It was and not happening in the last six months of the Trump administration. It wasn't happening at all during the Trump years. He put a quick end to it. He stayed well, in Mexico policy. He ended debate, catch and release, and he built 450 miles of wall. Yeah, you can debate that, but 
he, at the end of his term, did not have to deal with mass migration into the United States, and neither did the Border Patrol, and neither did all the border states and all the border cities. That's a fact. That's a fact. So, let me have to deal with it. If, if you saw somebody in your family struggling cognitively the way Joe is, if somebody in your family that you loved and cared about was getting a little older and fell three times climbing up a, a set of stairs, um, what would you do for that person? I'd install an elevator on Air Force One so he just goes whoop. The, the, right little, cha- the little chair thing that, yeah, you know, yeah, you a little, the- one of those things. Look, I, my mother was in that situation. And, um, and what did you do, Bill? Let me, get, let, me get, let me guess what you did. Someone in you brought somebody to in her. to help her. Right. right. That's what I Because you can afford it, and you love your mom, and you, you, you paid whatever it cost, and you got an aid to help her. That's right. Okay. I'm looking at Joe Biden, and I'm looking at all the people around him, every enabler, and I'm like, why is there nobody that's saying, for crying out loud, what they have to do to, to get him over every little hump is only going to accelerate whatever the hell is going on in there. Yeah, but they want that, Hannity. So the people that run uh, the show, which are Susan Rice and Ron Klain, and we did an investigative uh, report into Susan Rice yesterday. Did you know she's worth about $140 million? I saw that. I, by the way, we've done our own investigation, too. Yeah. I didn't know it was that much, uh, but we saw all the money she made in the four well, years you know, she's been you know out of office. made a lot of the money? From uh, an oil and gas company That's in Canada right. called Enbridge. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, this is Miss Global Warming, and she's making millions of dollars from a, a oil and gas firm, uh, and nobody reports it. I mean, it's stunning. But anyway, it's stunning. Getting back to Joe Biden, and the bigger picture is that the progressive left, the real far left that's controlling the White House, they want him in this state. They just want to put stuff in front of him that he signs. They got two things on his schedule every day. Um, he'll he'll trot. They'll trot him out to say whatever he wants to say, and then they'll bring him back. That's what it's going to be. Um, Weekend at Joe's. Remember that that movie Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> that's what this is. And and more than half the progressive elements. But, ju- are more but Bill than O'Reilly, half. now we've got a bigger problem because there's a lot of uh, bad actors on the world stage, a lot of hostile regimes, hostile actors like Putin, President Xi, the mullahs in Iran, Kim Jong Un. Um, I felt my interpretation is that Vladimir Putin was mocking him. I, I felt I thought it was embarrassing for the United States. That's how I, I felt. Mean, I don't think it means anything. By the way, I started that whole killer thing. You remember that when I interviewed President Trump right after he took office, and I looked at him and I said, "You know, Putin's a killer. How are you going to handle this guy?" And, and then um, they picked up on that on the interview with Biden. But Putin, I don't care what Putin does. All right, I'm much more concerned about China. And so uh, Russia's a corrupt, and it's not nearly as strong as people think it is. It can cause trouble locally. They got a lot of nukes, Bill. Yeah, yeah, they got nukes, but Putin's not going to do that. Um, he's not going to nuke. But China, now China could really push it, and that has really got to be watched because they know that Biden's weak. They understand I, that. They won't and, do a thing. They just they, they broke all the rules, protocols in that Anchorage summit, bilateral discussions, and humiliated our delegation led by the Secretary of State. But all right, Bill O'Reilly, um, all things Bill O'Reilly dot com. We appreciate you uh, being with us.
And, you know, all right, every, nobody else will talk about it in the media, Bill, but they stop criticizing me for talking about it because we know they all see it. And at some point, everybody will see it. Over 50% of the country now sees it. All right, Bill O'Reilly, thank you. All right, Bill, this is Bill O'Reilly music. Seriously, 25 to the top of the hour, 800. Dude, that was hilarious. How could you not think that was a good song? No, I think it is hilarious. It's not a great song. I don't like that song. What? I, it's not. Come on. You look. You're more of a to, danger zone guy. All right. I did weddings like you used to sing at weddings. Probably I've sung thousands that song a hundred times. Okay, a hundred, hundreds of times I saw it. And it was amazing every single you, one. Here's one amazing thing. Your accent goes away when you sing. Nobody that, sings with an accent, Sean. Have you ever seen a British person sing and hear an uh, accent? Adele, perfect case in point. Now, but and, and Linda, by the way, is an amazing singer, and she had an amazing band, and he had an amazing career going. But putting that aside for a second. Um, Thank you and, very much. But, okay, I tended bar. I used to do it. When I worked at this place called uh, Salisbury on the Green at Eisenhower Park in Long Island, New York, I would tend, I would do a wedding every Friday night. I do two weddings on Saturday, one during the day, one at night, and then two on Sunday. That's By right, Monday, one to five and six to eleven. I, I that's all I did. I made yep. and I made good money. I, I was I liked it. I enjoyed it. I love meeting people. Friendly, fun. Worked hard. Did double shifts. Came out with a lot of money in my pocket every weekend. And but there's songs that are played at every wedding. You know, when Uncle Joe, you know, takes off his tie, half buttons off his shirt. Which happens when you hear Footloose, Sean. It just brings out the animal in all of us, including Uncle Joe. Okay. Well, Uncle Joe is drunk. Maybe that's how Biden hurt his foot, Sean. Maybe that's the secret. Every time I would seek out the Uncle Joe, because Uncle Joe was always the big tipper in the group. Keep him coming, kid. Keep him coming. Yeah, just keep bringing him. But by the time we get to the footloose and celebrate good times, come on. You just know it's over. It's like, okay. Uh, First of all, it's just beginning when you get to that that time of the night. It's the best part of the night. It's almost over for Uncle Joe, because by the time he's done dancing to footloose and celebrate good times, come on. Uh, Uncle Joe is sweating profusely. Uh, you got any water back there, kids? I need some water. You know. And I'm sure you sprayed him down instead of giving him a blast. <laughs> no, but it's the same thing. Every wedding has at least one Uncle Joe. Or two or three. Oh, I've seen it all. It's I, it just, fun. It's, it's, well, it's, Long it's, Island weddings are, are really, I, I mean, I have to say, and Ethan <laughs> can speak to this being a Long Islander. There are there are thing. It's an entity unto its own. Oh, it's its an entity unto itself. It's like it's just it is what it is. It's and fun. I made a good living at it, but I'm just telling you, I don't think I I go to that's why do you think I hate weddings so much now? Because I've been to every one. And I know Listen, it's I the most you. important day in the in the, in everybody's life, and but by, by the time you've been to your one thousandth wedding reception, you're ready to blow your brains out as they shove cake in their face. Try doing like, a bride's third wedding in the same dress. Whole new perspective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's the, the same guy all three times. No, it married, never was. Divorced, married, divorced, <laughs> married, divorced. Like, oh, that, there's a winning that situation. Happened. That's a winning formula for everybody. Listen. Uh, but you see, you, you're as cynical as I am about the whole thing. Now, to them, it's the most important day in the world and the greatest wedding ever. And not, it's not the greatest wedding ever. They're all the same. Uh, that's not true. The, the only I difference have some is keepers sometimes in my the band sucks 
or they have a DJ or sometimes the band is really good. Now, if the band is really good, I like that situation. You got to have good food and good music. Otherwise, it's over. That's all it is. But Truthfully. it's a, we- a wedding factory. We, we it's a wedding factory. The wedding factories, yeah. The places that had like, uh, yeah, okay. what was it? They uh, come out Fox, with the, they Fox start Hollow. with the salad on the, pl- uh, right there. When everyone sits down, you have your salad. Then after the salad, out comes the, the main course, rubber chicken, uh, some fish for the fish eaters, or you get that, that dried up filet mignon that was cooked five hours earlier. But then the problem also is that there's this lag period. They go, they have the wedding in the church, and then there's a lag period, and then everyone usually goes to some bar, someplace. By the time they even get to the reception three hours later, they're half in the bag. But now it's all in one place, Sean. Now Uh, you go in, you got your ceremony in one place, you got your reception in another place, you got your cocktail, but they're all in the same location. They're just different places, you know, on the property. The only wedding that I could say what just blew me away was Russia's wedding. Well, with Elton not John for nothing, Johnny. At Elton John, I mean, come on. I mean, it was most it, people it, go to Madison Square Garden to see I, that guy. I, I, I'm just telling you, it was like the coolest thing ever. I mean, yeah. I remember looking over at Levin and we're like, "Man, this this doesn't suck. This is pretty cool for sure." Um, and he was amazingly funny. Comes out, didn't even say anything. Plays the first song. He got a standing ovation for every single song. A standing O for every song. I've never seen that before. And he gets up after the first song and he goes, you know, in the room, every big conservative name in the country. I mean, I I can name names, drop names, but I'm not going to. A lot of famous names that people would know. I, I was like the little guy in the room and I'm just sitting there amazed meeting all these nice people. And he goes, I know many of you are. Wondering what the hell am I doing here? It was fun. It just brought the house down. Did he sing with a British accent, Sean? Did you no, notice that? No, he did not. Okay, then. No. Not, not. not even during Benny and the Jets? Just completely normal? Just com- I swear completely. <laughs> uh, now, I also saw him at a Super Bowl party with the owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft, who I've become friends with because I've interviewed a lot over the years. He sees me in the hall. And he goes, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He goes, you want to come see a private Elton John concert? I'm like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not busy. Let's go. And he, and he got me in. Did you love it? It was awesome. I mean, Did he, he have a whole band a or was it just show. him and a piano? No, just him and a piano. Very cool. Both times. Kind of amazing. And it was amazing. It was, it, I mean, the level of skill that it takes and for him, it's nothing. It's like us doing a radio show. We don't have to think about doing a radio show, but we Speak spend a lot yourself. of time preparing. But, you know, the light goes on, my mouth opens, and I start talking. For this guy, he just he comes out. He's got a piano. He can play like nobody like nobody you've ever seen. Billy Joel, same thing. They used to tour together. I actually saw Billy Joel in concert at Madison yep. Square Garden. It was the first concert I ever saw in New York. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Packed house. And it, it was funny because it points. still unbelievable. Yeah, but you couldn't even hear him. The crowd is singing so loudly along with him every single word. Like I can't even imagine what that feels like to look out at an audience singing the words that you've written. Garth verbatim. Brooks would always, always say the coolest thing ever is when the audience sings your song back to you. It's incredible. You know, if if he's singing If Tomorrow Never Comes or The Dance and he lets the crowd take over. Or, and you know, he's got his rowdy songs, too, um, that he that he sings. Friends in Low Places, for example. Great, great stuff. We used to sing that song in the bars a lot. That's a really fun song. What, Friends in Low Places? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's a great song. It's just a By fun the way, there's song. your perfect wedding song. I mean, sometimes you can do those things at weddings, but a lot of people want their wedding to be elegant. You know, every once in a while you get a fun bride who's like, ah, I just want to have a good time. I'm like, awesome. But, you know. All right. So I'll tell you a little behind the scenes story about music. So I, I, over the course of my career, we've done all the freedom concerts and there's one very famous band and I'm friends with them. And, you know, you got to understand, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. They, they're, they're unbelievable professionals and they want, they want to put on the best show, but they also do little stuff to entertain themselves. Like I'll get, when I'm there, I'll give them a word for the night and they have to sneak it in to the song as many times as they can. Oh, no way. Are you serious? I swear. You never told me this. I gave them the word Trump. Oh, geez. Man, you got to, you can't Trump this, you know, this, it, and it, it, it was like nine times nobody picks up on it. Like That's how many times have you been singing and maybe you forgot a line or words or whatever? Oh, yeah. Does anybody, they never notice. They never notice. Never, ever notice. Now, if Billy Joel did it singing piano, man, the crowd would just fix it. As we continue our discussion on weddings and all other things of great importance, we talk about now you're now a big part of this new church you joined. And Linda will not give me the name and number of her pastor. <laughs> she won't even give me the name of the church. I'm going to have to like hire a private detective to get this information. I want to talk to this guy. Okay. He and I need to have a little discussion. Oh, and he if can he's talk. listening, he's Texan man, he knows he knows how to get it done. Okay, I'm not sure if he knows the real Linda yet, though. Of course he does. I mean, you don't curse the way you do to me in front of, of him. Of course do you? I do. I can't lie to my pastor. That's wrong. Him and his wife, I've heard. But me. you can control. You don't curse in church, do you? I mean, I, not on purpose. You see, I don't. Not. What do you mean, not on purpose? <laughs> As if you don't control it. It's like an addiction. You know, if I'm on church grounds, you know, I'm you outside. You try and avoid it. You know. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you cross church grounds, you're back in the street. I drive you, out you of know. the parking lot and somebody cuts me off. You know, all bets it's are gonna off. It's going to be everywhere in the book. Okay. So, but I don't think your pastor knows. Like Hillsong United Church, it's an Australian church, very famous. Yes, I know contemporary music. Or Michael W. Smith, who we've done concerts with, he's amazing. He puts on an incredible show. Another person who just gets behind the piano and plays. Oh my gosh! And everything. I'll tell him before he goes. What songs you want me to play today? He'll ask me. With no. Okay. Okay. Give me a list. Write it down quick. Boom. Give him a list. He plays every one. No prep. It's amazing. It really it's is. A, and, he, and it's all always perfect. For him, it's a calling. And when he plays with an orchestra, which he often does when he does his Christmas tour. Yeah, I it's mean, kind it's, of, it's breathtaking. I know. It's, 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 it's spectacular. But I mean, you look out into the crowd, like, and people cry. Songs can touch them that deeply. Now, I, know, I don't think I make many people cry doing a radio show. I don't think I make people cry doing a TV show. Maybe some liberals cry. Maybe Joe Biden, if he was ever awake to see it, he'd cry. No, he's he in bed like, by then. He's he's long. He's out like a light he's by snoozing. then. He's snoozing. He's snoozing. He had his he had his milky and hot cocoa. He's out cold. He's got to make sure he's strong enough to stand the wind every day. You know, can't yeah, have that happen again. Over. You can't. You know. Listen, the wind. The wind. Got to get your rest. I've had that. You hear problem. that, Sean? Been, I mean, he hears that coming. He knows he's got to stand you know, up tall. Listen, he just goes right to the ground now. <laughs> Don't you Hope hate it's not windy being... tomorrow during the press conference? 
God, he probably can't be outside because then the wind will blow him over. I don't know what's <laughs> so worse. Horrible. The fact that he tripped three times or the fact that they claim the wind blew him over when there's no wind. It's just, and then, and then Saki, you know, those, those steps, they can be tricky. They, I'm like, yeah. Steps can be tricky. That one foot yeah. over the other, it's, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's, that's really tricky. That's tricky steps. I'm like, the what only... in the world? Well, Barack Obama didn't have a problem. Donald Trump didn't have a problem. But what about the ramp? Oh, the ramp. It was soaking wet. He had dress shoes on and it was like an ice skating rink and he walked slowly that one time. Right. But the point is, is that after they pointed it out, right, all the MSM, they did so much time on it. All they did was talk CNN about did him 30 going minutes of it. It's unbelievable. I'm like, guys, seriously, come on. It's like, it's like you and the vaping. Same thing. Oh, that never happened. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> No border Just like crisis. the riots over the summer never happened. Just like there's not chaos on the border. Nope, Just no like falling it, down. That didn't happen. Yeah. We don't have kids back in plastic cages again. Why do I? Why am I obsessed about getting inside the cargo shipping containers? Because I'll tell you why. Because there's no way in hell you're going to convince me that a cargo shipping container that they, they're putting children in with a tiny window with bars on it I don't care how many butterflies you stick on the window. We already know what it's going to look like. It's going to look just like the kids in the in the plastic sheeted cages. Yeah, but they better not ask to be let just in one because they'll make sure one of them looks beautiful and the rest no, of them one of them is going to be decorated by. You know, let's bring in a professional decorator. They you are know, going. Cr- they are going to need to see everyone. Books. Oh yeah. Okay, Donald Trump ever put a kid in a cargo shipping container? Do, do, can you just imagine that scenario for ten seconds? What would happen? They're still attacking him. They've got nothing better to do. Listen, the one thing, there was an honest article in the news media. And by, and look, I can talk about ratings all day. It's just a natural, it's just a fact. After presidential election years, ratings, you know, go down for usually six to eight months. It is a pattern because some people get burnt out by it. You know, that's, I mean, this, this was emotionally draining with the post-election aftermath. But the problem now is we can't disengage because the damage they're doing every day. Or You know, for Bill O'Reilly to say, there's not a single good thing we can say that Joe Biden has done to make the country better is pretty profound. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload in the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Now, remember in 2018, all of a sudden, the media, the mob, they came out with images of Donald Trump putting children in cages, illegal immigrant children in cages, and Joe Biden saying the most immoral thing that, that he's ever seen in his entire life. And then we found out it was Joe and Barack that built the, the cages for the kids. And the video they were showing you, was from when Joe and Barack were in office, not when Donald Trump was there. And they just lied to you. Then their whole position changed. Remember, at the time, the meet, this is how the media covered Donald Trump. Listen. 
Well, the images suggest those of concentration camps. The Statue of Liberty, I think, is weeping right now. There's no denying that this is an incredibly complex humanitarian issue that's, of course, made even more difficult by the fact that we're dealing with this in the midst of a pandemic. He will be forever remembered as the president who traumatized little children. A lot of these children are part of a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. The system is broken inside of the country. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. I call this a concentration camp for kids. Obviously, this is a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. Babies in jail. Babies in baby cages. Challenges facing U.S. Border Patrol amid this migrant surge. Babies in jail. A very, very tough situation that the Biden administration now needs to contend with. Something that's very difficult for the federal government to deal with at the border. Children are being marched away to showers. I know they're being marched away to showers, just like the Nazis. You have a lot of border agents. You know, the union was very pro-Trump who are now starting to just leak out videos un- anonymously, which can be very dangerous where we don't know where things are coming from. We begin this afternoon with the wails of children. <laughs> oh, remember that. Then I are not getting that coverage. Now, if you go to Joy Reid over at MSDNC, she's now questioning, oh, is this really a crisis? Now, by the way, you got overcrowding kids on top of each other in these new cages with with plastic. OK, those pods, as they're calling them. We last night, we broke the story on, on, on our show about, yeah, it's so bad at some facilities. They're over 800 percent capacity where they're supposed to only have 80 kids and quote a pod. Their new word for plastic cages. Uh, they now have 694 kids in one pod. That's how bad this has gotten. We do. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. We have a high rate of of testing positive uh, as it relates to the illegal immigrants crossing the border. We also have yeah people on the terrorist wanted list, the most wanted list. Yeah, we've we've captured them, too. Um, it's a financial crisis. It's a health crisis. It's a national security crisis. But over at MSDNC, a little different tone now that Joe is in the White House. Listen. If you've been watching TV over the past couple of weeks, you've probably heard a familiar Republican talking point about the situation at the southern border. With the grand Q party now confronting a president who just passed a massive and popular piece of legislation, that is what they're left with. Yes, migration at the southern border is a genuine political challenge, an ongoing one that spans several previous administrations. But is it a crisis, as Republicans so desperately want the media to portray it as? Uh, yes, it is, Joy. It's worse than ever. We're going to have over a million people crossing that border illegally by June or July the latest. But Kamala Harris, she thinks it's one big joke. She's just laughing. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> but um, I have before and I'm sure I will again. Oh, okay. Anyway, joining us is the uh, the guy that would know. Mark Morgan is with us, former acting Border Patrol chief, Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council and 20-year active Border Patrol vet. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Mark Morgan, has it ever been this bad since the time you've been there? No, and I tell you, Sean, first of all, instead of lying to the American people and laughing as the vice president did, as, uh, did just spinning, look, let me back up my statement with a fact. 
So right now, what we've got in, in November of 2020, Sean, we had less than 800 in custody, less than 800. Today, that number is over 10,000. Last month was 100,000 in a single month. You're going to see that in, in March eclipse 120, 130,000. I just learned this week in a single day, Border Patrol, apprehend, Border Patrol agents apprehended over 6,000 immigrants trying to illegally enter in a single day, almost 800 of them unaccompanied minors. And of that 10,000 in custody, over 10,000, over 5,000 are unaccompanied minors. That's what we have. Those are facts. That tells the American people, you bet we have a crisis right now, and this administration caused it. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. It's one of their making. Brandon Judd, uh, you've dedicated a big part of your career to this very single issue. We're now being told that, that, that this year it's going to be the highest number in 20 years, maybe longer. It's going to be the highest number in the history of the Border Patrol. If you go back to the uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, when we were arresting 1.5, when we were making 1.5 million arrests, we were dealing with the same people over and over and over again because they were primarily from Mexico. We would arrest them. We would send them back. I personally arrested the same group in the same shift twice. So we were dealing with the same people over and over again. Now, the, the, the people that we're dealing with, if we arrest you, it's a new person. So when we go over a million arrests, it's most likely going to be a million different people that we're dealing with. I want to define crisis so that your listeners can understand why this is a crisis. When the Border Patrol resources are so inundated that we have to pull agents out of the field to put them in processing centers, and we don't even have enough agents to actively monitor what the criminal cartels are doing, and they're able to create artificial gaps in our coverage to cross their higher-value products such as opioids, fentanyl, cocaine, and criminal aliens, and even aliens from special interest countries, when they're able to do that because they've pulled us off the line um, with, uh, with this surge of unaccompanied minors, that is, in fact, a crisis. When the cartels are able to dictate to us what our strategies are going to do, what our strategies are going to be, we are in a crisis. Yeah, well, I, I, okay, we already have the crisis. Now, when Border Patrol are distracted, Mark Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I have been down to the border myself, and I've met many of the great men and women that, that work uh, and do this very difficult job, and I've actually been out on foot, on horseback, I've done ride-alongs, I've been in helicopters, and I've been in boats. I've been everywhere from the Rio Grande all the way across to San Diego, where the tunnel was built from Mexico into an office building in San Diego. I've been to drug warehouses. I've seen it. So with all of the resources now going to this massive influx, especially of undocumented kids, uh, what does that do for the drug cartels, the human traffickers, the gang members, uh, those that we're told, according to the Washington Examiner, are probably making about $14 million a day off of human trafficking? Yeah, Sean, first of all, your listeners need to listen to what Brandon Judge said. Everything he just said is absolutely correct. And to answer your question directly, hey, the business is good, Sean. That's what that means. Look, and we've been here before. This is not our first rodeo. We saw this in 2019. We know, just as Brandon said, is that, look, the cartels, their tactics are to use the family members and use the unaccompanied minors as distraction techniques, right? And, and extensive, exhaustive resources that it takes to provide the, the daycare services and the humanitarian services to the families and kids, leaving large, large swaths of the border unsecured, unmonitored. And just common sense means more drugs are pouring through, more criminal aliens are pouring through. 
look, the, the number of gotaways now uh, that are getting past the border patrol, because, look, in 2019, we saw, and Brandon knows this very well, he, he was there, up to 40% of border patrol agents are pulled off the line, their national security mission, to, to, to you know, be daycare providers. And, and that's, we're, that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And so, real quick, what's so disgusting to me, what's so infuriating is we warned the Biden administration. I know the leaders of, of CBP, specifically Border Patrol, warned them if they did what they have done, that they would create the crisis and, they would, and we would be experiencing what we are right now. They knew it and they ignored it. It's, it's unbelievable. But uh, according to the Washington Post, uh, uh, Mark Morgan uh, Kamala Harris, who's laughing over it and not acknowledging that there's a real crisis at the border, is now going to be the point person for the Biden administration. As we continue, Mark Morgan, former acting Border Patrol chief, and Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council. They're also sending COVID-positive patients to hotels with no follow-up. Uh, you, you've seen the, the images now. We, it took us forever, but we finally got the pictures out. These kids are on top of each other. I don't see there's no social distancing. There's not full compliance with mask wearing either. We have high positivity rates that now puts Border Patrol at risk as well. Now, now then we're putting people out in the general public and and then we're sending people to to states all around the country. We're not even we're not even catching and releasing, meaning processing them and giving them a court date. They're just releasing them. So I assume that means what now that they, they basically are given uh, amnesty because they know they're not going to get thrown out of the country. Well, well I'd like to uh, I, I could, go, go ahead, Brandon. Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Mark. No, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you real quick. I'll turn it over to Brandon. Look, it, 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 I wonder if, if Kamala Harris, the vice president, now would laugh if she was briefed that over twenty six CBP agents and officers have died in the line of duty because of COVID, and that that the Title Forty Two, that CDC order that allows border patrol agents to apprehend and process people on the border and not bring them into the open air uh, uh, congregate settings, right? That are that are active COVID petri dishes right now. And again, we went from eight hundred in November to over ten thousand. That that not only risks the immigrants' lives, but also the the, the men and women of, of the United States Border Patrol. I wonder if she would laugh if she was confronted with that question. Yeah, I don't think any of it's funny, Brandon. Um, you know, to, to touch on your point of, of testing, we don't even, the, the government's not even testing the people that are crossing the border illegally. We're turning them over to what's called non-governmental organizations, such as Catholic Charities. And we're hoping, we're hoping, we're crossing our fingers that they're going to test them. But there's no oversight over this. So if Catholic Charities or any of the other non-governmental organizations that we're turning these, these people over to, if they don't test them and they release them into the United States, of of course they're going to spread COVID. We have to understand that. So when you hear these reports of, well, these people, they're not even testing positive. It's only 6% that are testing positive. Well, that's a false narrative because we're not testing them. The only ones that we actually find out is if they come across the border and they are exhibiting symptoms, then we'll take them to the hospital, and the hospital will test them, and that's where the stats come from. But when we turn them over to the NGOs, we have no idea 
what the positive test rate is. And it, again, it's smoke and mirrors, and it's what the, the liberal media would have the public believe instead of the, instead of giving them the facts and letting the public come up with the, uh, with their own opinions based upon all of the information. They want to lead us like lambs. Yeah. Hey, Sean, well, if, if, if I could jump in here, Sean, if I could jump in real quick on something Brandon just said, very critically important to, to, to footstop. Right now, over 20,000, 20,000 people have entered this country have been released directly from CBP. None of them were tested by the United States government, by CBP. What Brandon just described is what happens. So the secretary has lied to the American people and, and totally misdirected. When he talks about, oh, we have a plan. Yeah, the plan is to rely on NGOs or local municipalities to do that, as Brandon said, and we have no idea just exactly how many are actually being tested. I mean, and we have not even prioritized border enforcement officials and ICE uh, to get the an, an expedited vaccine here. Uh, Mark, uh, Brandon, I'll ask both of you. Uh, uh, do you know that these guys are now finally getting their vaccines or not? Uh, no, so, so DHS, yeah, DHS put in place a program that's called Vaccinate the, uh, the, the Workforce. Vaccinate the Workforce is what it's called. But just like typical government, it's filled with bureaucracy. It is so difficult for agents to get vaccinated that they're Grief. just going out and they're letting the, the counties or the states um, take care of the vaccination because DHS has made it so difficult for them to get it. You will sit on a list for months. We have people that are first responders. They're actual EMTs that go out and they can't even get vaccinated under this vaccinate the workforce um, program. So when DHS says, well, we vaccinate um, 65,000 of our workforce has been vaccinated, what they're not telling you is they're not telling you how many of those 65,000 had to go out to outside organizations to get that vaccination. Again, smoke and mirrors, and that's what we're seeing. Unbelievable. All right, uh, Mark Morgan, Brandon Judd, thank you both. Our best to you, your guys that are just killing themselves, doing an impossible job because this was all caused by Biden and Harris and liberal Democrats. And we all know the reason why also. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. And yeah, the race, the rush to always politicize when you have a tragedy. I mean, first, oh, it has to be a, a white male that did this. And a you know, the assumption is, oh, if there's a shooting, it's got to be a Donald Trump supporter. It's got to be a talk radio listener. It's got to be a Fox News viewer. That's not the case here as we've gone over and to rush the judgment or to somehow even associate the actions of people that are certifiably insane and evil with good people is just their way of smearing and slandering and besmirching. And we don't play that game. We didn't play that game when a Bernie Sanders supporter shot Steve Scalise and others in that ball field. And I'm not playing the game here. It, it's it, it, the guy apparently hated Trump and hated Islamophobia. That's what we know. His family says that he had mental health issues. I, I assume that's probably true. But either way, taking away the rights of law abiding Americans, meaning you and the American people, is not the answer either. But already the rush to even do it by executive order is on, which I don't think would hold up in any court that actually cares about the United States Constitution and something called the Second Amendment and the right of the people to keep and to bear arms. Most gun owners, the 99 percent, are responsible gun owners. I've been a gun owner 
most of my, well, I've, I've been a gun owner my entire adult life. I was a pistol marksman at 11 because my parents were both associated with law enforcement. And they, had, they didn't want their curious son touching their weapons. Anyway, John Lott is the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. He's written now and updated many times his best-selling book, More Guns, Less Crime. And up until January, he was the senior advisor for research and uh, statistics at the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Legal Policy. And he worked on vote fraud issues. Today, he has an article out, Real Clear Politics, about Montana, a mountainous area of Montana with a population of 119,600 people. Uh, but anyway, talks about a recent audit of mail-in ballots in this particular case, but Really, we want to talk to him about this latest push to take away people's Second Amendment rights. You know, whenever you say more guns equals less crime, that angers everybody. They become triggered on the left. Now, you come from a professorial background, a researcher's background. This is what you do, correct? No, no, that's exactly right. And when you look at the data, the data says what? Well, just as you can deter criminals with higher arrest rates or higher conviction rates or longer prison sentences, the fact that would-be victims can also defend themselves uh, also makes it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime and deters them from committing it. I mean, probably the simplest point I can make is if you look around the world, every single place that's banned either all guns or all handguns has seen murder rates go up and often go up by very large amounts. You would think out of randomness, if guns on net are bad, banning guns would be associated with reductions in murder rates, or at least not changing it. And yet, you, you, you can't even find even one case where it even just stays the same every time it goes up. And there's a simple reason for that, and that is, even if you take, end up taking some guns away from criminals, if you primarily disarm law-abiding good people relative to criminals, you actually make it easier for criminals to go and commit crime. You know, I, I asked the question of people many times on this program, John. I asked them, I said, okay, so God forbid, and now we have this whole defund the police effort, New York City, for example, that you got a, a billion-dollar cut uh, to the police department. I mean, that's a lot of cuts. And the police are already hesitant because they didn't get the support of the mayor when they were having water doused on them and their cars, you know, demolished and right in front of their face. And, uh, I, you know, things that I didn't think I'd ever see in my lifetime. And we watched over the summer, the rocks, the bottles, the bricks, the Molotov cocktails, you know, hurled the police officers, nearly 3000 injured, uh, 30 people dead over the summer. But they didn't even want to call it a riot, um, which is pretty remarkable to me. The question is, what do you do if somebody breaks into your house and you can't give one answer? I'm going to call 911 because by the time the police get there, no matter how quick the response time, whatever was going to happen likely happened. Am I wrong or am I correct? You're exactly right. Look, my research, if it convinces me of anything, it convinces me that the police are extremely important. I think the police are the single most important factor for reducing crime, but the police themselves understand that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred. And there's two groups of people who benefit the most from owning guns, people who are relatively weaker physically, women and the elderly, and people who are most likely victims of violent crime. And that overwhelmingly tends to be poor blacks 
who live in high-crime urban areas. It would be great if the police could be there all the time, but they can't. And the question is, what's the safest course of action for someone to take when they're being confronted by a criminal? And having a gun is by far the safest course of action. When you're talking about women, uh, you're almost always talking about a male, young male criminal doing the attack, and a, and a man attacking a woman. There's a much larger strength difference that exists there than a man attacking another man. And the presence of a gun represents a much bigger relative change in a woman's ability to go and resist attack. Now, I do have and have had over the years, many people will ask me, all right, Hannity, I'm thinking of getting this one, an AR-15. What do you think? I'm like, okay, what what do you want the weapon for? Do you want it for target practice, sport? Do you want it for hunting? Do you want it for self-defense? And then I I follow up with a series of questions. but But my main answer is this. Whatever you choose, whatever weapon you like the most, depending on what your need happens to be, just get trained in the proper, on the safety and proper use of that firearm. I, you know, right. I'll tell you, John, I've been shooting since I'm 11 and I'm not my, my hearing loss from radio all these years is such that I don't really shoot that often anymore. Um, but the, the bottom line is, is that uh, I still will get refresher courses when I go with my friends that are really passionately, you know, they're passionate gun enthusiasts and, and I'll listen to them and learn even more safety from them. But I learned it from the t- first time I ever took a lesson. My parents took me to a, a range and I got my first lesson, pointing the gun downrange all times, never point at a person, what, what to do if a gun ever jams, et cetera, those, those types of things. And then the guy sits me down and he says, okay, tell me everything I just taught you. And I explained it, gave it back to him perfectly. He goes, okay, come by next week. And if you remember it all, I'll let you shoot it. And I had to leave that day. Well, I wanted, I thought I was going to be shooting that gun. And I came back the next week and it was it literally was burned into my brain because I was I was interested in it. I wanted I I wanted to learn how to fire a a handgun at that time, and then I became a pistol marksman at the time at a pretty young age. Um, but yep. I I urge people learn safety and the proper use of whatever firearm you might want. In the case of most people, if they're not going to spend a lot of time at the range, I would argue the best gun for self defense for you and your family would be a shotgun. Well, yeah, it kind of depends on the circumstances. I mean, inside a home, uh, having long guns can be somewhat awkward in some situations for using it, just in terms of the space that's available. And it depends, you know, it depends on a lot of characteristics, the pluses and minuses for each of them. But people need to go and and handle the gun uh, when they're in the store. Uh, make sure that they're comfortable with it. Uh, you know, it's, there's a large difference in terms of how easy it is to pull the trigger based on people's hand sizes and other things that are there. But, you know, just with regard to the training, I'll just mention, we have 20, over 20 million Americans right now with concealed handgun permits. There are 18 states, which are so-called constitutional carry states, where it's not even necessary for people to have a permit. So who knows how many more people beyond that 20 million carry regularly. But what you find is that the people who go and have these permits tend to be extremely law-abiding. They're, they take this very seriously. Police are rarely convicted of misdemeanors or felonies, about one-twentieth the rate of the general population. Concealed handgun permit holders are convicted of misdemeanors or felonies at about one-tenth 
the rate that police officers are, or about one. Everybody that I know that owns a firearm, everybody is all about safety. Let me ask you about this article you put out, because we're now, you know, we're learning a lot. And state legislatures now are stepping in 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 Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania and and fixing in Wisconsin and Michigan. This judge in Michigan finding, yeah, they didn't follow the laws there, just like the chief justice found in his dissent in Wisconsin and uh, as it relates, you did a study of a small county of Montana where you found a lot of irregularities. What did you find? Right. Yeah, Missoula County in Montana is the second largest county in the state. It's heavily Democratic county. Uh, all the votes this last November were mail-in votes. And there was an audit that was done on January 4th where they went through and uh, examined and counted all the envelopes that were used in it. You know, one of the things, one of the big problems with this election is there hasn't been systematic evaluations of the votes. You had in Maricopa County, they did, a, they looked at 100 ballots out of, you know, 1.6 million mail-in ballots that were cast. In uh, Cobb County, Georgia, they looked at 10 percent. Well, they should have been the looking at Fulton County, but go ahead. And, um, and what we found, what they found here is that... Uh, they had six uh, percent more votes, about four thousand five hundred ninety-two more votes than they had envelopes for the ballots, which is impossible given that all these were mail-in ballots. They also found problems in terms of not having dates, even on the envelopes that were there, and uh, issues with not having signatures or signatures not being checked. Altogether, that's over seven percent of the votes that were there, given how large Missoula County is, not only did it affect or could affect a lot of local elections, but it could even change statewide races that are there. Um, And that doesn't even count the fact that there were a number of obvious cases where there were duplicate signatures. At one nursing home, uh, there were 28 uh, ballot envelopes that had the exact same signature on them. Um, but those weren't able to be counted systematically. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking about what could be at least 7.5% of the, of the votes there could be fraudulent, that can have a real impact on elections. And, unfortunately, that type of systematic evaluation of the ballots hasn't been occurring in other places. There's really no other place in the country that's had that type of count. But given that we have H.R. 1, uh, that has passed the House and is going to the Senate, where they would end uh, Biden's executive actions, which are kind of moving states to do full-time mail-in votes. I hope this provides a warning shot for people to realize that there can be real problems when you're talking about seven and a half percent or more of the ballots uh, could be fraudulent. As I've been saying, people ask me all the time, well, what, what, what can we do? The first thing you've got to do is work with your state representatives, your state senators, your state assemblies, and you've got to get them to put the proper checks, balances, and reforms in place. Um, and if, in fact, they eliminate the legislative filibuster, H.R. 1 will be the law of the land where they want... You know, you know, think about this. They, they had no problem building that that wall, if you will, the fence with the razor wire quickly around the Capitol. Uh, I, we got to protect our institutions and elected officials. I agree with that, just like we should protect our southern border and not allow illegal activity at the border. Uh, but similarly, 
you know, these these there's got to be structural changes. And if state legislatures don't do their part, they won't even their challenges to H.R. One should it come to a court challenge, which I would argue they're usurping in that bill. The the constitutional stated constitutional authority of state legislatures. But if they do it, there'll never be any voter I.D. They're going to let felons vote. There'll be automatic registration and there'll be no checks and balances whatsoever, which mean which means in the end we won't have any confidence or any integrity in any election moving forward. So I hope people will pay attention to all of this. Um, but I got to run, John Lott. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being there. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We continue our investigative reporting from both sides of the border. The the absolute mess that is down there. Pete Hegseth, Lara Logan will join us. Uh, we'll have full reports both sides of the border. Jim Jordan will join us tonight. Also, Dana Lash checks in. Madison Cawthorn will join us as well. And uh, also, we've got tonight on the program, you don't want to miss it, one of the very latest from Leo 2.0 and much Dan Bongino. That's all happening tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Set your DVR. We'll see you then with news you won't get from the mob. Uh, we'll see you at 9 Eastern, back here tomorrow. As always, thanks for being with us.